0: Welcome, everybody, Filibuster Freestyle. We got a little kitchen quarantine, sports jerks mashup. Super Bowl is less than, what, five days away? February 2nd, Groundhog Day. So much going on, but our buddy Jeremy Johnson is going to join us from L.A. We're talking pulled pork. We're talking homemade queso. We're talking Tom Brady's impressive career. I've got hot takes on Andy Reid. I've got hot takes on Eric Bieniemy. And Jeremy just texted me, which means he's probably ready. So here comes the theme song. FilibusterFreestyle.com is where you can find us. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, including Deezer, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Here comes the theme song. Jeremy Johnson from Man Cook Good on the other side. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle. Watch out for the filibuster! 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 Freestyle! Filibuster freestyle! It's the filibuster freestyle! Filibuster Filibuster freestyle! Alright, y'all. Theme song, as I mentioned before, in the books. JJ joins us from the truck, live outside of the artist formerly known as the StubHub Center with uh, the LA Galaxy play JJ first of all anything happening at the uh, LA Galaxy home today nothing other than um,
1: you know some we've got a part of their uh, parking lot cordoned owned off and they're, they're gonna do some filming so uh,
0: but nothing in terms of sporting events or concerts or anything that's for sure absolutely okay well we're glad you can make some time before you you know it's not even on your commute we're doing this like on a break so I appreciate that. So listen, I told the folks earlier, we're talking queso, we're talking pulled pork, we're talking kitchen quarantine, getting ready for Super Bowl 55, can you believe it? But, as I mentioned to you on the incredibly brief pre-show, I've got something to bring it all the way back to Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, Super Bowl 36, to get us started. So let's let's do that if it's okay with you. Yeah. All right, so JJ, as you remember, I know you do, but this is more for the listeners, a filibuster freestyle here, kitchen quarantine, man, cook good, you guys love us, we love you. First Super Bowl was Brady's in 36. they played the Rams okay I want people to think about the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they suffered their fifth loss of the season earlier this year to the Kansas City Chiefs. They have not lost since. the exact same thing happened to the New England Patriots back in 2001. They lost their fifth game of the season to the L, to the sorry LA to the St. Louis Rams and then didn't lose a game again. The Patriots and Buccaneers both would go on to face. The team they lost to last, weeks, months earlier, in the Rams and in the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And the Rams were, in 2001-2002, the greatest show on turf. And the Chiefs are essentially the scariest offense we've seen in a long time now. So, you know, I'm not saying that means that the universe is going to have Tom Brady and his team of plucky defense and timely passes and getting enough done to beat a heavy offensive juggernaut or not. But it is striking to me that his first Super Bowl team, 11-5, and five, ripped off a bunch of games in a row. This team, 11-5, and five, ripped off a bunch of games in a row. And the last team to beat them is the team they're facing in the Super Bowl. I'll stop there. Thoughts on that? Had that occurred to you? That's good symmetry. I
1: like that. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because – He's been playing for so long that it seems like every time you turn around to one of these playoff or Super Bowl situations you find you can find some sort of connection to the beginning and the first and then this is the like the last one against the Rams, I right? guess first Super Bowl and
0: probably his last one, you know, and Right. Well, here, here, here we, we are, are 2 again. years later. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're drawing parallels to um, his first Super Bowl
1: again. Um, I like that. That's good. That is um I think that the, you know the the numbers match up. There's some parallels there. I do think that the the Buccaneers are
0: sloppy, and that Patriots team was,
1: was really like very disciplined in 2001. Very correct. And, um, and they they evolved past their talent level as that season went on, and you know they. It's just a great example of a Belichick-coached game where he knows how to win a lot of different types of football games. Absolutely. Ultimately, I think that in this particular matchup, the Chiefs have a lot of different paths to victory, and the Buccaneers don't have as many ways they can go about it but that doesn't mean that they're going
0: to lose the game. Absolutely. I would I would say this. I mean, the Chiefs show us this every week. They don't really start counting the score until they're down 9, 10 nothing. So, um, you know, it, it's and that was definitely the case with the Rams back in the day, greatest show on turf, but I just think the dynamic nature of Mahomes being mobile enough can throw it at any angle. They've got so many matchup problems. The Bucks defense is is potentially up for the challenge, but Brady can't be a quarterback of two halves. He's got to be a 60-minute man, and I just don't think he's really been a 60-minute man all season, which has been enough to get into the Super Bowl. So, you know, far be it for me to nitpick, but I do agree with you. The Bucks have a much narrower path to hoisting the Lombardi Trophy than the Chiefs do. But Tom's biggest kind of underdog status ever was his first Super Bowl, and obviously we all know how that one turned out. Yeah, I mean, let's look at... They've got the tools to do it. They can they can
1: run the ball. They, their defense is flying all around. You know, Super Bowls tend to start kind of slow for both teams as sure. they kind of feel their way out. It's going to be weird anyway. There's going to be like 8,000 fans in the stadium, so it'll be even quieter than a normal Super Bowl. Yeah. And... I think that all those things favor Tom because, you know, I mean, the guy's been to 10 of them, man. I mean, it's just insane. This is his 10th Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you think about all the records. I mean, there have been 55 Super Bowls starting this Sunday, and he will have played in 10 of them. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing stuff. So let me let me do this too while we're on football, and then we'll get into some cooking. I know we've got some Kitchen Quarantine fans on, Kitchen Quarantine fans I will try to bookmark the time period of this podcast when we start speaking specifically of delicious and not necessarily nutritious food. But I also wanted to talk a little bit about, and we're not the first podcast to do this, but maybe we'll do it in a way at the end that's at least a little bit original. Um, So many people have erroneously said that the people in Boston must be really bummed out about Tom Brady and Gronk. And that's how the media talks, by the way. Um, and I, I don't know anybody who isn't like, hey, I hope they win another one. Good for them. I mean, there's not a ton of Kansas City Chiefs love in New England. Um, they won last year, they almost won two years ago. They're a juggernaut. They're our biggest competition in the AFC, and everybody's biggest competition in the AFC. I don't know too many people who are, have at least 10% sanity in their brain as a sports fan who don't want to. And this goes back to your piece two weeks ago. All Tom Brady winning a 7th Super Bowl does is prove us right over these last 20 years when we told all these 49er fans and all these Peyton Manning fans that the best quarterback of all time is Tom Brady. All it does is validate what we were rooting for being true. So first of all, that narrative stinks and it's lazy, and I just want to point that out. But I have a hot take on it, but JJ, would you agree that that narrative is lazy and pretty much false in Patriot Nation?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a great way to describe it. I think another another reason why, as a Patriot fan, you want to root for Tom in this one is he's kind of standing as the vanguard um, for one more year of keeping the Chiefs from even beginning to sniff the records as a franchise and um, Mahomes as a quarterback. They can't even sniff Brady and the Patriots if he knocks them down another peg. You know, if a, they win yeah. the Super Bowl, they're they're on. They're on track. I mean, look, things happen. You know, a lot can happen. We all know that. But if you're just looking pacing, um, and you're looking talent, well, they're getting those Super Bowl. They go back to back. Then Mahomes has gone back to back. A little bit younger than Brady was when he first went back to back. Yep. Um, they're on pace to put together a decade. Yep. And um, you know, it's easy to have a, an amazing decade and win three Super Bowls if you win two of them. By 2021, Um, so it's just another reason to root for Tom because I want the Patriots to be at the top of everything. I want them to have the best run of all time so that when we stink, which we might stink for a while, um, I can always just kind of like look back at that and be like a Niner fan. It's just like talks about the way things used to be and how great we were.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. And so I tried to kind of test this theory out in an interesting way. So... Across the sideline from the Buccaneers will be Andy Reid, okay? Andy Reid won a Super Bowl last year. He was kind of in that Phil Mickelson category of greatest player to never do it, win a major, greatest coach to never win a Super Bowl until he won the Super Bowl last year. So I asked a friend of the pod, friend of ours, Dan O'Brien, Philadelphia native, big Philadelphia Eagles fan, hey, DOB, help me with a half-baked theory here. So I said, and this is all from text, last year when Andy Reid won the Super Bowl with Kansas City, Multiple choice. Eagles fans were generally, because you know, he was the Eagles coach for like 16 years, happy for him, not happy for him. It wasn't even a big deal to have an opinion on. And Dan says we were happy for him. He was the best coach in our history to the point that it ended poorly with a three-win season and lots of bad signings and replacing coaches who were hired away, blah blah blah. But you know, a lot of bad looks. But at the end of the day, he was here for 14 seasons and a great success overall. And it was one of those unique situations where both sides agreed it had run its course. Now, if you look at Tom Brady last year on the Patriots, throwing a pick six against Mike Vrabel's Titans at home, looking anemic in the Super Bowl, it ended the way it was probably going to end. Tom Brady does not replace Cam Newton in New England this year, and they're not in the Super Bowl. It does not happen with the weapons they have. So a long but a long maybe original take on... If Eagles fans don't care that Andy Reid moved on and had success, why the hell should Patriots fans, when Tom Brady has given us so much more than Andy Reid ever gave the damn Eagles? Yeah, I I do think
1: that the fact that Andy never won kind of makes him a little bit more of a sympathetic character. Yeah. Um, But absolutely, I I just just the whole. I have a couple friends who were who were hating on Tom and rooting for the Packers that are Patriots fans and. I let I let him have it. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, twenty years that guy gave us everything he got, and he wasn't even the one that really decided to leave. Like,
0: right? They didn't it's give like him a
1: good offer. Mad at somebody? Like, you know, like we died. Right. We got a girlfriend after we were dead.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he, he,
1: like, you gotta let people move on. Like it what is wrong with you? He gave us everything he had. He was there by our side. He brought us so much joy. You know, All time games, like heart attack Super Bowls that we came out on top. Atlanta, the Seattle Revenge, like that. got everything but the Giants Super Bowls in there. Yep. And like and you're gonna turn on this guy now? Like I can understand in the regular season just being like happy to be rid of the, the Tom Brady circus storylines and always having to, like, go down that road. But, like, now that we're in the playoffs and, like, we can taste the thing, like, get on board. What's the matter with you?
0: Right. And then and there's a point where Dan said this, too, about, about Eagles fans. And, again, it's like there's a contingent of zealots who are not able to root for a different team and think Eagles fans who do are traitors, but there is no significant group of Eagles fans actively rooting against Andy, Andy Reid. And I would say to the national media and their lazy-ass storyline – there is no significant group of Patriots fans actively rooting against Tom Brady, Gronk, or the Buccaneers. Well,
1: and these are not serious people, and they should not be given time to like. This is just—it's so—it's such a great. It, it's so indicative of our, our media environment where we give both sides, quote unquote, yep. equal time, even mm-hmm. if one side is like completely bat crap crazy, and the other side is like you know written like you know papers and gotten doctorates on the issue. Like it, you don't have to give equal time to idiots and intelligent people, unless you're trying to drive clicks. You want the clicks and likes, Gav. You want the clicks and likes.
0: Yes, Jeremy. And speaking of that, and this is to be the last thing I do on football, here's one for you all on that, because I am not Adam Schefter. I am not Mort. I do not have the inside scoop. But here's my hot take, and I gave this to you last week, J.J., uh, the reason that I'm not worried about Eric Bieniemy not getting a job this year is I think if Andy Reid wins this one back-to-back, I think he retires and Eric Bieniemy takes the Chiefs job. And that's outlandish as F, but I want to be the one to put it out there. Clickbait it up, baby. Clickbait it up.
1: I like it. You know, the only thing that I have struggled
0: with on that one is um – why would you leave if you're Andy Agreed. right Agreed. I agree now? with that. That is a very huge flaw in my argument. Absolutely. My, 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 and the, my
1: the amount of, like, access to, like, Kansas City barbecue he has right now. <laughs> and, I, I mean, could is there really, like, a rock somewhere that he's going to go sun himself on in the Arctic for the rest of his years when he could just go and, like, press play on... Patrick Mahomes and unlock that offense and just like marvel at his greatness. Sure. His job has never been easier than it is right now. Good point. And I will say
0: this. Maybe it's more of a be enemy will be the coach when I retire move than a hey, I'm out of here move, but I think that actually solved a ton of problems for the longevity of cause the Mahomes era is gonna go beyond Andy Reid. Andy Reid's not a young dude you know what I mean but I agree there's, there's really no reason to not come back and try to 3 if you repeat or even if you lose you're still a contender automatically next year to make the conference final so you're right but I would love to see bien get his due and honestly I'm sure Mahomes would love to keep working with him if Andy Reid were to move on so that's all I got there it's a great point and you know like you start thinking along
1: the, those lines like if I'm Andy and I'm starting to debate retirement and going out on top like I give you know Give everyone a year notice. Yeah. Set up the enemy as the man, you know, the, as the guy, so that you don't have to deal with him like being passed over for head coaching interviews or the the media speculation. Like, just say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna roll it back, boys. Yep. And then Eric's gonna take over, and you guys are gonna be in good hands. And then you give the Chiefs the whole win one for the Gipper season Yep. they
0: might be able to pull off a second or third depending on what happens right and, and honestly that's not, if they do win this weekend the the motivation to go and three-peat which I don't believe has ever been done on the winning side of things the Bills the Bills four-peat of the AFC but they lost all four Super Bowls but no one's ever won three in a row so to your point, if you can do a win-win for the Gipper farewell tour on top of the repeat bid, the three-peat bid, and then the enemy's got it all locked up and you erase those distractions, you know, we're going to make your neighbor Steve, the number one Chiefs fan in your building, really happy with the way we just set up the longevity
1: there. Yeah, don't tell him. I don't I, want him to start thinking
0: about I, this. I, I won't. But, but hey, you mentioned one thing in that that can get us segued over to the Man cook Good kitchen quarantine part of this podcast, which is delicious barbecue in Kansas City. So... Let's pivot. You were telling me earlier today and earlier this week we got some pulled pork, we got some homemade queso, I think there was like a, a brisket or something you might have mentioned. Let's just segue, man. What do you got on the food front? Well, you know, it's Super Bowl, and um, that means eating. And it's,
1: it's going to be a weird Super Bowl about, like, how many people you have over how many you don't do you ignore the fact that there's a pandemic do you try to limit the numbers do you not have anyone over mm-hmm. I don't know but I do know that a lot of people are going to have the TV on and they're going to want to eat some food and they're probably not going to be going out to bars so a lot of the access to Super Bowl food is going to be limited you know maybe you go to like a potluck normally and now you're just doing it on your own or you're just having your your own couple buddies over so Here's a couple things that um, that I've thrown around on what I'm going to do for my very limited Super Bowl viewing party, and I'm going to do them in order of um, what the easiest thing for you to do is the most bang for your buck. Nice. Okay. Pulled pork, right? It, it's it seems like sorcery. It's just this pile of like just delicious pork that's all broken down. You can grab it by the handful. Um, all it is is pork shoulder that's been cooked forever until it reaches a full internal temperature of, like, 185 degrees. And then it just breaks. Like, the, the bonds of the proteins and the connective tissue and the fat, they all render and break. And you can just pull it apart with a couple of forks, literally. Okay? Here's how simple it is. You buy a five-pound pork shoulder, or sometimes it's called a Boston butt, even though it's not the butt. And the, on Saturday... You rub it with like a lot of salt, like three tablespoons of salt and like cumin and paprika and garlic powder and, you know, onion powder and sugar, brown sugar, and then smear that whole thing up with mustard and put it in the fridge overnight.
0: Mm. I like where this
1: is going. The next day. Um, you know, what time is the game uh, 8 o'clock east coast
0: I think it's 6, 6 thirty, seven 7 o'clock east coast and, ok yeah the next day
1: at like you know like 8 hours before the game turn your oven on 300 put that bad boy in your oven on 300 for at least 6 hours <clears throat> just let it go don't there's a million ways to do it I'm not here to tell you this is the best way to make a pulled pork no just put it in on 300 and walk away. Don't even look at it. Check it after five hours. Stick an internal meat thermometer in there. Make sure everything's going great. After six hours, take another look at it. Once the temperature inside and the deepest part of it is up over 180-something, I would cover it up with some foil, take it out of the oven, cover up some foil, put it on the counter for like 20 minutes or something. Let it rest. Let all those, like, those those proteins and all those cells relax a little bit and stuck because when it's in the oven it's super hot everything is running hot and it's wide open you want to let that contract so that all the juices don't come dumping out the moment you start digging into it and then just tear the thing up with forks and you know with meat claws or whatever and just tear it up into a huge old pile of delicious tasty pork when somebody says hey what can I bring over okay one person, you say, get a whole grip load of coleslaw from the deli. Another person, you say, get some nice buns. Get some brioche buns or some pretzel buns or some bulky rolls or something. Yes. Have another person get, be like, give me some nice barbecue sauce, all right? Try to get some barbecue sauce that doesn't start with high fructose corn syrup, okay? <clears throat> you get some pickles, some coleslaw, some buns, and some barbecue sauce. Everyone feels like they're contributing they show up with that. You've got this giant pile of meat that is good, hot, good, cold, good room temp, whatever. It's going to keep the whole game. And people can just make sandwiches throughout the whole game.
0: And you got to do nothing, which is fantastic. And you've to be honest... You've done
1: anything since the night before. You barely do
0: anything at all. Right. You're just living the dream. And your present you is rewarding future you. And then when the present you is going to enjoy a delicious meal during the game with literally very little done that day. Amazing. And
1: pork shoulder is cheap. When you're talking about like dollars per person, like you can basically plan on like, you know, eight ounces or like a, a half a pound of pork per person. So like, you know, a five pound or seven pound pork shoulder, depending on where you live and how close you are to like pork farming, you can get that between like two and $5 a pound. So, you're feeding people for like a dollar to three dollars a person. And you probably have leftovers, which are great with like scrambled eggs or great in a burrito or great in tacos. You go a hundred different ways with shredded pork. You can freeze it great, get the biggest one you got, put it in the oven, walk away, and make some queso, which, by the way, is delicious on barbecue pulled pork sandwiches. Queso is.
0: This is something that, like, queso... Like, most people just buy the
1: jar of Tostitos queso, right? Sure. It's, I mean, it's delicious. I, I'm not mad at it.
0: Right. I mean, they, they didn't all. sell a trillion of them a year if they weren't pretty good, right? I got a certain soft spot in my heart for those, like,
1: like ballpark nachos, the, the pour-on cheese that... I, I just... I, I've had it, like, in every ballpark, every stadium I've ever been to, every arena. I, I try their nachos, and that used to be a little bit... Um, a little different experience every place you go. But now that everybody's using the same vendors and crap, you're basically just getting Tostitos and and gloopy cheese. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like people in the Southwest, they make queso. A lot of times they get Velveeta cheese. Like you think like, oh, I've got some cheddar. I got some mozzarella. If you heat up cheese that doesn't have emulsifiers, or if you don't make a roux, which is combining starch and fat, then – the cheese breaks under the heat, so the protein and the fats they, they get they go all riled up and they break, and then you've got like globs of like fat. You, know, you got globs of like milk proteins floating in oil, cheesy oil, and it's not really what you want. But the, you know, and Velveeta is just like it's just a little weird for me. Like I get it, it melts perfectly, but it's like science cheese. It Reminds me of like you know nuclear bunkers from the '50s and. Uh, you know it's fine but I really like this technique that uses American cheese which I suppose is only two steps beyond Velveeta in terms of nuclear
0: science food sure but it's still it's on the right side of it American cheese yeah I mean it's American cheese the reason why it's American cheese
1: is because it's it's like almost shelf stable it's loaded with emulsifiers already so you don't have to put in you don't have to make a roux you don't have to make like a, a bechamel sauce or you don't have to like use a bunch of mustard and stuff, which is a great emulsifier, too. Um, You just get, like, have the the deli counter cut you off a pound of American cheese. You know, it's probably, like, a a two-and-a-half-inch chunk. They just use a knife, not with a slicer. You bring it home, cut it into cubes, put it in a saucepan with, like, start with, like, a half a cup, three-quarters of a cup of milk, preferably whole milk, and you know, add some like add a little bit of salt and pepper, maybe like some like cumin or whatever. Put a tablespoon of butter, just like an inch of butter, and slowly heat that up. And what's going to happen as the milk heats, the cheese is going to melt down, but it's not going to break because it's it's American cheese. And take like those you know those little cans of like diced chilies, the green ones. Oh I yeah, eat. they're all diced up in cubes. I'm saying, like, don't overthink this thing. Like you can make this as fancy as you want. You hit me up on Instagram on Man Cook Good. We can, we can workshop this. Anything I tell you here, we can workshop it. We can go fancy, or we can make it even easier. You take a can or two of those chilies, depending on what you're looking for. I mean, I personally, I wouldn't mind having a couple pops of heat in there. I might go with, like, one of those tiny cans of mild and one of those tiny cans of medium. I drain the liquid out of them. They've also they've got a little bit of brine in them. Which helps keep the cheese from breaking even more the acidity, which is why like fondue's got like wine in it. Mm. It helps make it smooth, you know. The acidity towards the end helps smooth out the whole thing. You heat up the whole thing, you put it in your chilies, you, you don't stir it too much, don't put it on too much heat, just like a nice medium low, low. Get nice and hot and bubbly. Have have somebody bring over some nice tortilla chips. And also smear some on your barbecue pulled
0: pork sandwich. Yeah, so, so really quickly, great stuff. And I do encourage you all at Man Cook Good. Hit Jeremy up. He said he'd workshop it with you. He'll do it. Um, as somebody who in my life has been both the pick up the chips guy and pick up the bread guy and pick up the coleslaw guy, you just gave me two courses that I, as a crummy house guest, can contribute to, and not feel like a total schlub eating your delicious pulled pork and your delicious queso, and it sounds like combining the two for double deliciousness. So again, if you've got a deadbeat relative you're gonna have come over who's part of your COVID bubble, everybody, Jeremy just gave you two hacks to let them go out of the corner store, feel good about the damn rolls and the damn toastitos, and you did the real work, but they can feel like they contributed, which they probably need in their life anyway. It's great advice this is part of the party planning you know this is how
1: you, you make food without being all stressed out because you got everybody coming over yes. and you really get to watch the game yes. or do anything, you got to come up with some big complicated list you make something big in the middle think through the other stuff that might help and then have the people that are coming over grab those things and they may even like spend the extra money to get like you know the fancy pickles instead of like the closets, <laughs> that's, <laughs> a closets yeah, but, that's a good you know, point that's a good point
0: I mean, if, if all I have to do is buy chips.
1: for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you might, like, stop at, like, the, stop at the restaurant that's got the great chips. Or you might, like, you know, uh, get get the ones that you love so much that are just on the other side of town. That, like, you wouldn't buy that if you're feeding a dozen people and you're trying to keep the cost down on the party. But when you're just getting one thing, you want to show up with, like, oh, this is a good one, you know? So you're, you're giving your guests an opportunity to contribute. Um, but, you know... Have your own backup when it comes to chips if you're making queso. Yeah,
0: of course. Now I think you would want at least one more thing you wanted to get in on the on this menu, correct?
1: Well, like so, you know, I'm doing I'm doing a, a Super Bowl pod thing, and um, I, I was asked what I'm going to make because my guests they said, "quote unquote," they want to think about it all week, you know. So I was like, oh, "I want to make this queso," and uh, like, oh, we've got queso in the freezer from whenever it was, Halloween. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. I'm not making queso. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make pulled pork. And they're like, that's great. But then I'm like, I mean, it's not even my house. What I gonna do I got to do? I got to, I got to brine. I got to season up the pork the night before. Then I got to bring it over to their place in the morning, start in the oven and then leave. Or then I got to recruit them to smoke it because they're, they're into that meat smoking. They're really good at it. But then I'm giving them a job. I'm not even really cooking it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, You know, we got kids involved, and I'm thinking, like, you know, what what the hell am I going to do? And I just, my mind flittered back to growing up in New England. Whenever you get a group of people together, you make Italian food. Yes. It's a crowd pleaser. Kids love it. Everybody loves it. And my mother, growing up, when she had a bunch of people over... She made what she called
0: calzones that I've learned in recent years is actually stromboli. Ah, stromboli. So,
1: stromboli, which is an American-Italian invention. It's basically like a... It's a pinwheel. It's like a, cal- a calzone. is a big... It's like a pizza that's been folded over the big cavernous pocket of, of meat and cheese and sauce in the middle. A stromboli is rolled up like a cinnamon roll would be. Or yes. a, a roulette, I think it's called. And, um... And you got to cook it through a little bit extra time because the dough on the inside of the rolls uh, will be raw if you don't. But basically you take your standard dough ball from a grocery store. If you don't feel like making your own pizza dough is like a pound. Yep. So, you know, you figure like you get like a, a half pound of various sliced meats per dough ball. And then, like, you know, about a half pound of cheese per dough ball. And you could go as simple as you take the ball, you roll it out into as close to, like, a rectangle as you can get. Don't worry about the corners, but that general oblong shape. You put sauce on the – on the uh, you put a sauce layer, but leave, like an – don't go all the way to the edge because you're going to need that to roll up and pinch into itself. And then you roll – you put on, like, some capicola and some, like – that. Those like giant pepperoni slices that you get at the deli, which you're like, I mean, I remember like 11 year old me realized you could buy pepperoni at the deli and it came in like a three inch circle. Yeah. It was like, I'm like, what will they think of next? You know, <laughs> you get those guys involved, you get some shredded mozzarella, you get some provolone, a little bit of sharpness there, maybe you grate some Parmesan in there too. Um, and then you roll it up like a giant doobie or burrito and. We do an egg wash you break an egg and you brush it with your you know your basting brush all over the outside of it you make sure it seals up real nice put a couple slices on the top put it in a preheated oven on 400 mm. for like 20-25 minutes um, you know if it starts to brown too quickly because maybe your oven runs a little hot or whatever it's too close to the heating element um, but the inside it hasn't been 20 minutes yet I would just cover all the foil and put it back in you want the inside to be like 200 degrees. That I means that the dough is cooked. So, like, you know, 20, 25 minutes on 400. The egg wash will give it a nice shiny look. And then you let that thing rest so that it's not just this bubbling lava ball. And then you slice it into slices. And then you just lay it out and everybody can eat it.
0: And again, like, you you,
1: do you the can work. walk around with it. Yep. Yeah, you can make it like buy the dough balls from the store. You buy the cold cuts. If you want to put something in there that's not cold cuts, like I'm going to do like a, a mushroom, onion, Swiss one.
0: Mm.
1: So I'm going to do like a vegetarian. I'm going to do two vegetarian ones and two uh, cold cut ones. And I'm going to cook the mushrooms and the onions ahead of time. Oof. You can't count on those things cooking inside the dough. You're basically cooking the
0: dough, and it's heating up the internal components. Right, so have those done beforehand. Don't put raw sausage and peppers and
1: onions in there. Cook the sausage, cook the peppers, cook the onions, and then do
0: that. Yeah, that's like a school lunch move on strombolis to uh, not cook the things prior. (laughs) Yeah, don't want that.
1: like, you're like, this is raw. Like,
0: now you're eating raw sausage. It's a bad deal. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so... That sounds delicious and to your point, you can still be mobile with a scrumboli. You can get most of the work done on your own. That way you're not running around, especially as a guest. You don't have to pawn that off on your neighbors or your friends that you're gonna enjoy the game with. And you got a vegetarian option and a meat option and you got kid-friendly food, which again, as much as we all like pulled pork, pulled pork's not for every kid. So I think JJ just gave us a trifecta of good ideas and low-maintenance ideas, which is fantastic. Now, a couple things, JJ. Number one, instead of doing prop bets, i got a surprise for you. I'm going to have you wing it. You're going to love it. But um, what I would say is what do you have for a pick in this game besides Delicious Stromboli? Who wins this game?
1: Oh, man, I've been going back and forth on this, to be honest with you. I have a hard time right. seeing the Chiefs losing this game yeah. because they're so phenomenal. But then on the other hand, people that bet against Tom Brady lose, and I don't really want to do that either. What I do like is the Chiefs against the spread. The Chiefs are only favored by three, which, I mean, I could see seven out of ten ways this will end up with the Chiefs winning by more than three. Um, I just can't see – I can't see an easy way that that doesn't happen. Yeah, But – I'm going to, you know, I went against the Buccaneers last week on your show. I also, um, we both picked the Bills wrong, yep. you know, because we're dummies. So we can revenge and also compound our stupidity here. I'm going to go with uh, uh, a slow starting game that um, that Brady pulls out. Let's go with the storyline. Why not? Why Let's not? Go, and you know what happens if he loses. Ties the record for the most Super Bowl losses in history as a quarterback.
0: Correct. That being said, well, <laughs> he yeah, also has I, the most wins. <laughs> I know. I
1: know. That's great.
0: I feel like uh, if the Chiefs don't play kind of an A-minus game or better, I do think the Bucks will be ready ready to find a way to get it done. So, uh, you know what's ironic This is the first time, as everybody knows by now, that a home team is playing in their home stadium, whatever. But, you know, there was a Super Bowl, a famous Super Bowl back in Super Bowl 25, 30 years ago. Giants found a way to outdo the flashy Bills. Sorry, Bills fan, not to pile on. But um, that game was played in Tampa. And if you're looking for all the synergies and Tom Brady's been around long enough, he's two degrees from every synergy yeah, I mean, listen. In that Tampa night, who knows? It could be a, a defensive struggle, and and you know it's going to come down to one last play. And I I have been rationalizing why Tom Brady can't get to the Super Bowl for the last two months, and uh, he's found ways to to get there. So yeah, why not? JJ said it. Go with the story now. Flipping it real quick. Boston's going through. Uh, Quite a transformation in his sports personalities right now. A lot of longtime fan favorites are moving on for all kinds of reasons. But this one is kind of natural, and I just want to give the man his due. Dustin Pedroia, three-time Red Sox world champion, uh, called it quits yesterday, I just want to say hats off to the guy. Hall of Famer. I also think that his number is being talked about as being something that should be retired at Fenway Park. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I kind of like it. I think he was the heart and soul of a team for a while there. Um, So hats off to the guy. Wish him the best Red Sox for life. JJ, your thoughts on Dustin Pedroia. You had no prep, but I'm sure you can handle it.
1: Yeah, I mean, all I thought about when I read his press conference was like, you know, bleep Manny Machado, that guy, man. We could have gotten a few more years out of Dustin where he was just like the, the cagey leader. He, the man was born to play yep. baseball, and uh, he could, be, could have been slapping singles and doubles all around the yard and helping transition that team into the next phase. And we got that robbed from us by, uh, you know, a prick fair Dustin Dustin was the everything that uh the Boston fan thinks that they are whether they actually are or not but he was the he was the you know the mouthy underdog he's the 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 little guy with a chip on his shoulder who didn't take crap from anyone he played you know if the max effort's a 10 he gave you an 11 every day and um And he gracefully lost his hair, like many of our fellow Bostonians.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Not like you and I, though. Not like you and I. No, no. Full heads of hair. So thick.
1: Barely get my fingers through it. He, like, he was everything that you, if you want to be uh, a legend of Boston, you don't even have to be as good as Dustin. You just have to study the way he went about his business, and you have to play like that, and you have to mean it and be authentic. And Boston fans will pick that, pick up on that and they will they'll retire your number or they'll turn you into a legend. The the road of Boston fandom is well paved with guys that weren't half as good as Dustin Pedroya who are legends just because they played a somewhat similar style of baseball or whatever sport it is to him. Yeah. And um he we don't have a guy like that really on the team right now and um I look forward to the day we got another dirt dog that we can um, we can all
0: get behind. 100. percent I was going to say it's been a while since we've been without a true dirt dog, at least on the inactive roster. And yeah, it's it's. It, I don't even want to say it's the end of an era, but he was a legendary player, and we'll always listen. If Johnny Pesky can hang around for another 80 years, Dustin Pedroia can if he wants as well. So again, uh, you know, he and Poppy are the, the two Red Sox. Players who um, have three World Series rings who are alive, and that's amazing. So uh, again, wish, wishing, I mean, him, wishing him wishing the best. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: Dustin's never Dustin's never going to run again.
0: No, right, exactly. Like he
1: gave his body up for that team. Not only did he, you know, try to turn the double play and hold on to it the last second while getting hit with a dirty slide, but he also went out there and like he kept trying to come back. Yes. Did a bunch of surgeries. He hit like two ninety-three after that injury. Like yeah. he like he really tried to keep playing baseball. And I, I assume that he's at some peace right now. He sounds like he is, because he knows that he gave it everything he got. But it just breaks my heart that the guy now the rest of his life he's gonna like walk with a limp. Yep. And he's gonna probably turn into the Johnny Pasquita. That old bastard who was like chipping around. Everybody loved him. You don't know why your grandparents love him so much. And, you know, he's like a legend, but like nobody ever saw him play. And like, that's going to happen one day. A few decades from now, it's going to be Dustin. He's going to be walking around with a cane. And it's going to be because of Manny Machado. That's So thanks a lot, Manny.
0: Agreed. Agreed. All right, JJ, we're going to leave it there. Awesome job. I'm going to tease this already. If March Madness happens, we're bringing JJ back. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk to JJ before then, folks, but... The, the next big food-eating holiday tradition here on the Freestyle is March Madness. We were robbed of that last year. You all know why, the beginning of COVID. So I'm looking forward to the next uh, sporting event. We can talk about food with you, JJ. But either way, really appreciate the Super Bowl talk. Really appreciate the food with the Super Bowl talk. good at ManCookGood on Instagram. You can fo- follow JJ's cooking pretty much every day of the week. It's fantastic content, so make sure you check it out. Philbuster freestyle subscribe rate and review you guys know where to find it wherever you get your podcast JJ thanks so much for being on man Thank you.